Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. First Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 9, even though this is a wonderful passage. But ye are a chosen generation. You're chosen. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. You're strange. <laughs> You're going to be different than other people. That you should show forth the praises. These things are going to allow you to show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you glad that he called you out of darkness? Amen. I want to talk to you for a little while about a legacy of light. A legacy of walking in the light. Jesus, let this word be nourishment to us. Let it sustain us just as food would be for the physical man. Let this be for our spiritual man. Give me the ability to speak what you'd have me say. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Brother Dean, for making ivory sound so good. We appreciate our worship team, don't we? Amen. You, I appreciate it more because I came from a place where we had like four or five chords, C, G, and D, and that's all you had. And every song was like, uh, 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 yeah, that was, and that was all we had. So when we do good on a worship service or when we don't do so good, it's all better than where I came from. Amen. I could worship. <laughs> so thank the Lord for the help. Thank the Lord for the schutzes and all of those. Thank you so much for giving to God and preparing I don't know if you know, but I'm a fourth-generation Pentecostal, which means that I grew up in the light. I grew up in Revelation, and that's how it's supposed to be. Your children are supposed to stand on your shoulders and go higher. Amen? And your life is supposed to be lived in Revelation so that they have the ways of God in their life and they have the path of God for their life. The way that you know the will of God for your life is to walk in His ways. You automatically have his will if you walk in his ways because he would not resist his children. I know some people say God doesn't want you to be happy, but I can guarantee you I like it when my children are happy. Amen? So there are times when God will ask us to do things that will not make us happy. It'll be difficult decisions. But there are other times when he gives us blessings just because he wants to see a smile on our face. Amen? And so I have the privilege of standing before you with a legacy of light behind me from my grandparents and from my mother and from the things that I lived through. And you know what? It wasn't always a happy time. We grew up on, in poor and in difficult situations. I remember going to the grocery store at the first of the month because we got the food stamps. Glory, hallelujah. I got to get a candy bar or something. You know, I, I knew what it was like. I knew what it was like to go through difficult times. I knew what it was like to have, that, have your mom make you mayonnaise sandwiches 
or sugar sandwiches or or that cheese that that orange nasty cheese that would never melt no matter what you did to it you could put it in the microwave the bread could be on fire and that that cheese would still be solid you know what i'm talking about she'd mix it into some macaroni and cheese and i could hear the that cheese singing i shall not be moved you had to cut it with a knife to eat your macaroni and cheese. You know what I'm talking about? The poor stuff. You, we didn't have hamburger helper. We just had helper. You know? <laughs> and whenever my mom had somebody, we always, she always added stuff. Just add some water to that chili or add a little. She was a professional at adding stuff. And I, to this day, I cannot eat oatmeal. I cannot touch powdered milk. Oh, who would? Amen. Now I'm preaching. Nobody will need to be touching powdered milk because we lived on it. And, yeah, and I would not, for the life of me, even though it can smell good from a distance, I cannot touch chicken and dumplings because that's what my mom did. Cook some flour, put a little bit of chicken, more, more dumpling than chicken, obviously, most times. But we got through it. And you know what we had on those days? Even when we had watered down chili or we had, you know, soupy sloppy joes, we still went to church on Wednesday night and heard the word. We still were in church on Sunday morning. My mother played the piano every single Sunday. You want to know why? Because she loved to worship the Lord. She loved to live for God. And she, she played the piano with exuberance. You know those boom chick songs? She could hit like every other five, seven, you know. She'd play. You could pass a hymnal underneath her hands as she was playing the song. That's how far she came off the piano. And she was worshiping and she was enjoying herself. And when she got really excited, she'd leave the piano and run around the church and I'd go oh lord I brought friends today <laughs> don't and I had prayers when I was younger I had prayers like lord don't let my mother run this service because she she'd take off and woo 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 and she'd just be feeling the presence of God and I'd be getting red and embarrassed but you know what I found out I found out you better not judge somebody's worship because you didn't know where they came from you better not judge their praise because you don't know what they had to go through to get there you don't know what it took their parents to live for God and their grandparents to live for God God. And so guess what? Today when we sing about free, my freedom cost somebody something. My freedom was a price that was paid before me. And if you're paying the price right now for the freedom for your future, guess what? You can be happy in the power of God that is on your life because there is a presence of God that can mend every broken heart. And there is a legacy of light. If you're walking toward the light, you're walking into the beautiful things of God. And lifestyle is legacy, amen? So I want to live a legacy of light. And my mother taught me that you need to pray not to be deceived, that God can, God can help you to live a holy life. Everyone say a holy life. It's so hard to speak about holiness because in some cases we understand holiness as being overbearing or rules or legalism. But I want you to know that holiness is a beautiful thing. It's the crown of God Almighty. In fact, he said, I won't share my name with another. His name is Jesus, Jehovah in Revelation. Jesus is J-E from Jehovah, S-U-S, become our salvation. Jesus is God, become our Savior on the cross. And I'm thankful for that name. But the name that he was willing to share with that revelatory name was that he is called holy. His name could be called holy. In heavens, the seraphims and the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the 
the Lord God Almighty. They give it a, a, a three name, a, a number of three, which is just the holiness of God exemplified through the heavenly realms. And we know that God is a powerful God in the way that he demonstrates his holiness. But as he is holy, he asks us to be holy. And sometimes we deceive ourselves because we know our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. And when we dress up and come to Jesus and try to show him how amazing we are and how much better we are from somebody else or if we get that judgmental spirit, God, help us not to get a judgmental spirit. Just because we've had a fourth, gen I have a fourth generational blessing and Pentecost doesn't mean I have a right to look down my nose at anybody. In fact, God's in the only position to look down on somebody and when he does, he always lifted them up. He never judged them. He doesn't just convict. He, can, he, he does lift people up. He reaches for them and picks them up. And so I know that in my life, I need to be constantly praying, Lord, don't let me deceive myself, thinking I'm all dressed up for you. And really, I have all kinds of places in my life that need him to mend. Amen? For some people, it shows on the outside. For some people, the brokenness is on the inside. But nonetheless, we all need the mending hand of Jesus. Amen? We all need his touch. And yes, he calls us to holiness. I don't know, today is the Pro Bowl, and I know people are thinking about that, and I really don't care much about it, but I don't know much about Joe. You remember Joe Theismann? You remember him? I don't remember much about him. He's a great quarterback. I remember that. I remember he played for Notre Dame college football, and then he got drafted to the Washington Redskins. The only reason why I know about the Washington Redskins is because we lived in Washington for a while, and we had to be Washington Redskins fans for two years. It was just the thing you do, apparently, in Washington. But I know that he was taken out by an injury, and uh, he lived his life in a way that you would think was the greatest life you could ever live. But one day, Lawrence Taylor sacked him, and he broke his leg, and he was done. His career was over. Everything he worked for in an instant had changed. And then also, he was going through a very difficult time. He had some setbacks, and they had to go through a very nasty divorce where he was alleged to have some infidelity. And Joe allegedly re responded to a trial accusation. He said, God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. <laughs> he was wearing the wrong ideas. And so it was posted in the Washington Post on December 7, 1994. God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. True or not, that statement is typical of our day, amen? People tend to weigh their options based upon momentary happiness and truly not on whether it's going to draw them to the holiness of God. And I know holiness is a heavy topic and maybe you're already twitching, but I want to talk about it today because I felt like God led me to it. And I know we hit on the things that God does in our life, this whole entire sermon series on light and darkness and the theme that we have. We have to understand that some people see holiness as a spotlight. They see it as something that's very difficult to deal with because whenever you're walking in deception, it's hard to walk closer to light, amen? You may have not noticed all of the different places that were torn and tattered with this jacket, but as I get close to the light, you can start to see all the different places where there are stains and there are damage to the, doc, to the actual 
to the actual garment. And that's what it's like to walk in holiness, to walk toward God. How many know he's a light in a dark place? We celebrate that light. But when you, when you start walking in holiness, you have to realize that you're walking toward the brightness of God. The beauty and the power of God is in holiness. And so it's going to expose places in you that you may have convinced yourself were okay. That you may have convinced yourself were, were you're good. You and God, you and the man upstairs, we're good there. But as you get closer, you realize it really is not okay. It doesn't look good. One time I remember having ice cream and I was wearing some nice khakis and, and I had, in the dark, I had dripped ice cream. Me and Sarah used to go on little McDonald's dates. It's when we didn't have a whole lot of money and so we would go get those chocolate dip cones at McDonald's. We called them a McDonald's date and I was eating one and it starts to crack up and I dripped some on my khakis but I didn't know it so it dried there and I put them away and I got them back out the, other, the next time I was gonna wear them and I, and I went off to work and, and I got dressed in the dark. Anybody get dressed in the dark? in the morning, that's really dangerous to do. You end up with brown, <laughs> brown pants and, and a, you know, a blue shirt or something. It just doesn't even match. And I got out and I noticed there was a big spot on my pants. I had never known it was there because I got dressed in the dark. But when I got out into the light, all of a sudden the spot was exposed. It's the same with God. Whenever you do things and you live for God, there are some things that you were once comfortable with that you're not comfortable with anymore. When you get close to the light of God, he begins to speak to you and say, maybe you want to take care of this with me or maybe you want to bring that to the cross and lay it down or maybe you want to change these things and because you see the spots and the changes and the tears and the in the places in your life that look like they were okay to you but now in the light of holiness they don't feel so comfortable anymore so suddenly when I began to look at this outfit if I didn't have a strong self-esteem I'd have a real big problem standing here looking so ratty in front of you but I know that this is what my life was like when I came to Jesus. And he touched me and he healed me and he changed my life. Amen. We should remember no less about God whenever we talk to people about happiness over holiness that people just feel like I deserve to be happy. But really, God allows us to be happy when he changes the desires of our hearts and he'll put a desire for holiness in us. And in that moment, we don't feel like we're blinded by the light anymore. We feel like we're walking toward revelation in God. And revelation is the most powerful place to live. When you see a light turn on in your life and you realize that you've been damaging things because of your appetites of flesh or you've been hurting somebody else not knowing it because you were being selfish and you were doing things and you didn't see it. It looked okay before, but now you realize I need to change the way I act. I need to change the way I talk. That Jesus wants me to be a pure vessel. That he wants not dirty things and pure things mixed in the same place. He likes a pure and clean vessel. I want to walk pure and holy before the Lord. Not because my holiness is so good. My holiness is as, right, is as dirty rags. But whenever he comes to us, he clothes us in his righteousness. And then we get filled with his spirit. And his spirit is that spirit of holiness that we long to be in his presence through. I love the changing power of God. Amen. We sang about it already. Our chief aim is to bring him glory. Amen? And God's chief aim is to see his image come alive in us. And if it means he has to turn on a bright light and change what we are. If you bring me that other jacket, Tasha, if you want to bring it, that's fine. 
I see Reese has got the baby. In Hebrews 12, 14 through 15, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without, thank you, without, no one, without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Someone say holiness. Verse 15 says, Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by that many be defiled. There's twin pursuits that are outlined in this scripture, the pursuit of peace and the pursuit of holiness. We have to pursue peace with God, amen? And we have to pursue holiness. Are you thankful for the power of God when you pursued him, that he did miracle works in your life? Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful for pursuing the peace of God from your sin and your stains that he walked in and washed you white as snow, that he came in and gave you a power that was above the power of your human will, that he filled you with his spirit and now you walk in him in newness of life and in that newness of life, there's peace that you can pursue. That's beautiful. And he also walks in and he clothes us with a new garment. And we leave it on the altar. And we put on the new one. I put it on wrong. <laughs> and this one fits so nice. And looks so much better. And I don't have to try to explain to people why there's a tear there or why there's a stain because he put on me the robes of righteousness and I want to walk in him. It's like the bride who's coming to the back door and everybody stands to celebrate before she walks down to the groom and she's worked so hard to keep her dress white and pure and beautiful. She didn't come through, she didn't get out of the car and drag it into the church before she got married. She wanted to keep it nice and beautiful and when she steps in the doorway, everybody stands and everybody begins to tear up because they know that that's the picture of the bride of Christ coming to meet the groom, Jesus Christ. And when he clothes us in righteousness, yes, it is his holiness. No, we cannot be perfect in any way, shape, or form. But when he puts his robes of righteousness on us, we shouldn't take it off and drag it into the church and put it back on dirty and put it back on torn and say, God, repair me again. But instead, Instead, ask the Lord, would it be all right if you helped me through these things? But while you're helping me through it, would you wash me white as snow? Would you make me new and holy again? Would you help me to keep my garments pure and perfect so that whenever I meet you, Jesus, one day, I will be ready for you? Such a beautiful picture of holiness before God. God is love. I know that. God is one. I know that. God is all-powerful, and God is all-knowing. But our countless attributes of a great God, how infinite he is, are not matched to how holy he is. And sometimes whenever we talk about holiness, and we talk about the things that God asks of us, it can be a blinding light. It's not a, a warm light that you carry like a lamp unto your feet and a light into your path, but it's literally you're leaning into something that's changing you and it's exposing every part of the sin of your life. And the Bible makes it clear to us that God wants us 
to be holy. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord? among the gods who is like the glorious in holiness everyone say glorious in holiness holiness is supposed to be glorious not something that's difficult fearfully in praise fearfully in praises doing wonders are you glad god is glorious amen are you glad that he's powerful and able to do what we cannot do he has unending power. He never runs out. I'm grateful that I live in his presence and I live in his power. And so we see that the scripture continues that he has the power to do great things and that he is holy, holy, holy. Revelations 4 and 8 saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. When Isaiah caught a glimpse of God's throne room, he too noticed the six-winged angels encircling the throne, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory in Isaiah 6. God's holiness is then associated with his dominion and his glory. Do you understand that? That holiness gives you dominion in places you would not have dominion. That it gives you power with God and that, that power with God is glorious. That you can step into environments where there are places and attacks and literally you can take dominion just because of the garment of righteousness that you wear and the holiness that you walk in. God's holiness is associated with dominion. Stephen Sharnock was a Puritan writer who studied the holiness of God and wrote extensively about it. He concluded in all that although scripture uses many titles for God, one descriptive title is above all others, holy. He is holy. The holiness of God, he says, in his glory and crown. The holiness of God is his glory and crown. It is the blessedness of his nature. It renders him glorious in himself and glorious in his creatures. Holy is more fixed as an epitaph on his name than any other. This is the greatest title of honor, that God is holy. One pastor was de dealing with a difficult saint and they walked into his office and he had a magnifying glass on, in his office on the desk and he also had one of those handheld mirrors that you use in the bathroom in the morning. And the saint walked in and just began to just unload at all that was going on. And this person said this and, and this difficulty happened and, and this thing happened and, and he reached up and he handed them the magnifying glass. And he said, you're magnifying somebody else's faults. And then he handed him the mirror. He said, why don't you go work on yours? <laughs> oh, how difficult that word is, amen? That we need to work on our own faults and we need to work on our own situations. I'm thankful for the light that's in my life. I'm thankful that I knew in darkness I could reach for him. And I've, I'm thankful for the wisdom of understanding that even whenever the light tries to go out, that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel and it's Jesus Christ, amen? No matter what you're going through right now, I promise you that Jesus has something better for you if you'll just walk toward the light, if you'll just keep the light in front of you and don't give up. Don't give up, don't stop, don't drift into carelessness or carnality. Don't let your spirit drift into a place where you start to justify what you are and who you are because it's just me. I mean, I'm human, I'm made this way. 
Yeah, you might have been made that way in sin, but he remakes us in righteousness and holiness. And when you walk toward holiness, he starts to remake you. And the thing you used to be, you would never, you would never go out in that. <laughs> you would never want to be like that ever again because you know that it was where you were, but it's not where you are anymore. It's not what you are now. God has changed you, amen? I'm thankful for the revelation of living for God and the power of God, the oneness of God. I'm thankful for all those legacy truths that I have. I'm also thankful that whenever my mother was in a dark place, she never let go of the light in her life. I'm thankful for the wisdom of the wise men. We just came through Christmas season that even though they only had a twinkle of light, they still knew better than to not follow it. They, need, they, they knew that no matter how bright the light was, it was worth following the light. And no matter how dark your day gets, I'm just trying to encourage somebody today because I feel the need for encouragement in this place. I want to encourage you, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how difficult that situation, if you are walking toward the light, it may just be a twinkle in the distance, but it's Jesus calling you on, saying, don't look around at the darkness. Go on ahead and walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And if there's a shadow in that valley, then look around because there's obviously a light on the other side because light cannot be created. Created. Shadows cannot be created unless there's a light. And I don't know if you noticed while I've been walking, but I've been casting a shadow on all of you while I've been walking. I don't know if you noticed that from that light. But that means that if there's a dark place, there's light on the other side of it. If there's a place where you right now don't know how to get through it, just go ahead and look around and realize that Jesus is still over there. He's still calling you. He's still reaching for you. And he's still asking you to stay with him and follow him. I know this because I learned how to walk in light as a young boy, not knowing all I needed to know, but knowing that as hard as this light is in holiness, my mom walked it and she said, it's good. It's good. I've lived in that light where it exposes all of the places in me, but it also heals me because it makes me deal with the stuff that was inside that's exposed by the light. If you turn the lights off for a minute, I want you to see. That's not very pleasant, is it? That's what holiness is like when you're in a dark place. It's really hard to want to walk toward that kind of light whenever you're in a dark place. Some of you are squinting. Some of you are closing your eyes completely. When the world is coming from as dark a place as they are, they won't even understand. They won't even want to look at the light of holiness. But if we can teach them that it's good, you can turn the lights back on, thank you, that through Jesus Christ, he's your shield. <laughs> Just put on your sunglasses is my point and walk toward holiness. Okay, so that's, uh, we won't do that point ever again, but <laughs> that was the illustration that I had, so I used it. Just put on your sunglasses. In other words, being holy is cool. <laughs> you can walk toward God and have God change your life through the power of holiness, and you will never be the same. The idea of holiness is God's crown, the Bible says, and that when you just decide that I'm going to do what it takes, even if it, it requires me to put on some shades and walk 
toward what he's calling me to. I'm going to keep walking toward the light. Even if it's not the dim light anymore, even if it's not just reaching for the little thing that I had left to hold on to, there are moments when you're going to have times like that. I remember those moments in living for God. I remember those moments when my mom got us in the car and drove us to the church and we didn't have enough gas money to come home. I remember those moments and I remember coming out to a car that had an envelope taped on the steering wheel and there's $50 in it and we didn't know who gave it to us and we didn't know why it was there. But God's, but my mom would go, oh look, the Lord provided our gas money home and he also got us some food for next week. I knew what it was like to reach toward a light that's just twinkling and the wisdom of saying, as long as there's light to walk toward, I'm going to give my life to it. I'm going to walk toward it. And guess what? In learning to walk toward the light when there was little light, I learned how to handle walking toward the light when there was a lot of light. I learned how to reach for God because when I put the light before me, I found out it's good for my soul. It's good for my life to live walking toward God and not walking or drifting away from him. Holiness is good. And so now I just put on my glasses when the Lord asks me to change myself and say, I'm going to get through it anyways. It's a high and holy calling to walk with the Lord in holiness. Second Samuel 2 and 2 says, No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. The psalmist picked it up in Psalms 119 and said, Holy and awesome is his name. Holy and awesome is his name. He's better than any Super Bowl, amen? He's better than any situation that's in the world that the world would offer you. I don't care what the world offers you. He's better than it all. You remember blind Bartimaeus sitting by the road? You remember him? Blind beggar? He got up and he was going to Jesus. I promise you, when you're walking toward the light, you're going toward Jesus. That's what I'm saying. If you're going toward Jesus, you're walking toward the light. And you leave a legacy behind you for your children and for people that walk behind you, those that are teaching or leading, anybody that comes behind you, your children, your family. If you stay walking toward the light, you'll teach them that that is the way to go. And I remember, I remember getting here. I remember getting out of Bible college because I thought that's what I needed to do when I came here and I started an apprenticeship with her dad. And I remember that when I was doing that apprenticeship, I was like, Lord, I don't have enough schooling. I don't have, I don't have a place to live in this city. And I had this concept that if I was going to live in a city, I wanted to, I, I, if I was going to minister in a city, I wanted to live in that city. I had this concept. So I went to the Lord and I prayed because I felt like if I walk toward the light, God will honor it. You remember, maybe some of you already know the story. And so I began to pray, Lord, I need more education. Lord, I need to minister. I need to live in the city where I minister and I need a job in the city where I minister. And the Lord did all three. I got a job at the local funeral home I don't know if you like that or not, but that's what God gave me, the local funeral home. So I went to the local funeral home and I started working. And then my boss came to me and said, you seem like you can handle this. How about I pay for your tuition and pay your way through school? And then God answered my education prayer. And it was all happening in the town where I lived. And then God gave us a home where we in Muskego where we were ministering. He did all three of those things. He gave me thousands of dollars of schooling. Why? Because I just kept walking toward the light. I did what I knew to do and he did the rest. Amen. And that's what blind Bartimaeus did. He didn't know what to do, but he knew that if he went to Jesus, everything was going to change. There was going to be light in his life. So what did he do? He stood up and he took off his old coat and he left it by the road and he went to Jesus because his old coat said, that's what I used to be. 
And when I get to Jesus, I'm no longer going to be a blind beggar anymore. He believed for his healing by taking off his coat before he ever got to Jesus. Isn't that powerful? The faith of that man encourages me that I can walk with God and walk through the things of life in a powerful way. It's hard to handle some of the things that come into our life, but regardless of whether the enemy brought them or God brought them, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Amen, somebody? He also calls us to be holy, Ephesians 5 and 1. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Imitate God. It's funny whenever you see kids imitate their parents. Have you ever seen that happen? I know you have. That's exactly what God wants us to do with him. We are to imitate God in everything, but most especially, we are to be like him in holiness. In fact, it's non-negotiable with God. It really is. First Peter 15 and 16, it says, as he who called you in holy is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. I'm thankful for holiness. I'm thankful for the power of holiness and I'm thankful for, for, for the understanding that holiness is a protection for me. I've had things that have happened in my life that I know would have taken me down had it not been for the fact that I had protections of holiness around me. Your legacy is created by your lifestyle. Jesus died to give us a legacy of light. He went through the dark, to the darkest place so that we could have light. And guess what? If I've lived my entire life walking toward the light, when I close these eyelids and they pat me on the chest with a shovel for the last time, I know they don't pat me on the chest with a shovel all the time, but I'm just saying, when they do bury me, I'll be walking toward the light again. Because that is the, the revelation that I live. I want to live a revelatory lifestyle. Whatever he shows me to do, I want to do it. And I want to know it for myself. I want to get into this word and pursue the light of this word, amen? Don't just take a, a sermon because... A pastor preaches it to you. Don't just say, hey, there's a great thing called a legacy that you can have, that you can live. Legacy, obviously, is a very powerful thing. It's, it's, it's money or property that's left to a person by someone who has died. Jesus died for us and left us a legacy of light, amen, in his word and through his power of his Holy, Go of his Holy Spirit. And so when you dig into this word, you are actually walking toward the light, you're actually forcing yourself to go towards something that may, you may find something you don't like about yourself, but that's okay because you have to lay yourself down anyways. And he gives you newness. He gives you a resurrection. Goodbye. He gives you a resurrection that brings you to a place where everything that died in your life no longer is important. He, it, it wasn't just about the cross. It's about the empty tomb. Had he only died, we wouldn't have the beauty of walking in the light of God. But, had, but because he got up, now I can say, because of, he, because of what he did for me, I can have light in my life too. I'm not going back. I'm just going to put on my glasses when it gets bright and keep walking for the Lord. Holiness identifies us. Amen, somebody? Holiness distinguishes the truth from the false. 
Holiness is an integral part of worship. Holiness is a part of salvation. Holiness prepares us for the future. Holiness brings us into a place where we walk with God and where we can identify the spirit of truth in situations. Amen, somebody. Let's stand together. I know we studied about how light pierces darkness. I know we studied about how Jesus was that candlestick. It's talked about in Romans when John saw Jesus in the tabernacle in his vision. He said, I saw one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his voice was of the sound of many waters and being turned. I fell at his feet as dead, and he came and he laid his right hand on me. And he said, Behold, I am he that was alive and was dead and am alive forevermore. He said, It's not about what you lose. It's about what you have in the light. It's about what I've done for you. I've conquered everything for you. And so I want to live with the light in front of me. Amen? All my life. Jesus, I'm asking somebody here, as the tone of this service is the holiness of God, I'm asking that somebody here in this place reaches for you through all the miracles that you've done for them, through every struggle and every trial, knowing that you were there along the way. And if they have lived a life of strength and they haven't had the many struggles and trials some of us have had, we still need your word to light up our life. We still need your strength from the word of God. So today, if there's someone in this room that's walking in darkness, I pray you strengthen them. If there's someone in this room has, who has convinced themselves that it's just a small tear. It's only a little stain. It's really not something that everybody's going to see. I can hide it. I can keep it from them knowing. And, and maybe there's someone in this room that has tucked away a tear on the inside because they can't seem to break that addiction or they can't seem to get beyond the thing that's tearing their soul up on the inside. I'm asking you right now, God, to mend the shame and to mend the guilt, and to mend the pain. Let us step into your light today. Let us not be afraid of it, but let us boldly come to the throne of grace in our time of need today. We've already had an altar call, but I feel like I'm calling somebody today that needs more of him. In light of what he's done for us, in light of all he's allowed us to lay down, maybe there's someone who wants to step forward and say, I'm going to keep the light before me. No, it's not going to be easy to carry it. There's going to be some weight in my life. There's going to be some things I'm going to have to do because as I shine the light forward, it always shines back and it shows me who I am. But maybe there's someone here today that would step forward and say, I'm willing to carry a light. And you're going to leave here today with a lantern. Sarah's coming to help me as she takes these down. And I want you to step forward to this altar and just lift your hands and make a commitment to God. This is the commitment. I will always walk toward the light. 
I will always spend time with your word because it is light. I will always do what's necessary, even when it's not easy. These are the ones that left father, mother, sister, brother, Jesus said, but they committed to me. This commitment is not an easy commitment. It's a commitment that asks you for holy things. It asks you for a sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like praising him. It's something that asks you for a little bit more than others may want to give. But while you're walking in the light, you're walking toward Jesus and you benefit from greater revelation. In Jesus' name.